I mean, you can do all these things to try to get somebody to like you, but the second you do something that they don't like, even if you don't even know you're doing something they don't like, they just don't like you. And so it just doesn't really matter anymore. People are very fickle, but Jesus is not fickle. He's always there for us. He never hates us, even though we do something stupid on occasion. He's always so forgiving and so loving because he's God. He should be the one we are trying to please, not these uh, fickle people who hate us if we look at them sideways. Instead, Jesus is always there for us and uh, he loves us no matter what. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries Podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Luke. Hey guys, and good morning. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast, soon to be the Bible Explained podcast. I'm trying to get used to uh, saying the Bible Explained podcast now so that uh, next week when I officially make the name change, I don't um, flub it every single time and say the P40 Ministries podcast because I definitely will. So yeah, I'm trying to get used to saying the new name change now. But anyway, guys, tell me how your week has been going so far and uh, just what you've been up to. I love hearing from you guys. So contact me at p40ministries.com slash contact. And that will just uh, send an email right into my inbox. And really, you're not bothering me. When you contact me, I don't feel bothered at all. I do enjoy uh, getting messages from you guys. But okay, let's talk about Luke 9, verses 23 through 43. This is a long long thing I'm going to read here. So I'm going to go ahead and um, just jump in and start reading. I'm going to be reading out of the W.E.B. version of the Bible this morning. He said to all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his own self? For whoever will be ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there are some of those who stand here who will in no way taste of death until they see God's kingdom. About eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James and went up onto the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became white and dazzling. Behold, two men were talking with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. As they were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, 
Master, it is good for us to be here. Let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And while he said these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered into the cloud. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. When the voice came, Jesus was found alone. They were silent and told no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great multitude met him. And behold, a man from the crowd called out, saying, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. Behold, a spirit takes him. He suddenly cries out, and it convulses him so that he foams, and it hardly departs from him, bruising him severely. I begged your disciples to cast it out, and they couldn't. Jesus answered, Faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And while he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him violently. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. They were all astonished at the majesty of God. You know, every single time I uh, read a repeated story in the Gospels, I'm always like, oh man, it's the same story that I've already talked about before. How am I going to present it differently? And it's really funny because every single time I pick out something that I didn't initially pick out before. And plus, on top of that, each of the Gospels, you know, there are three different people writing them. Each person had their own way of telling the story. And so that also helps because uh, it's not just the same repeated story. Otherwise, you know, that would that wouldn't help anybody if it was just the same story totally repeated verbatim in each gospel. So yeah, I mean, these are three different men writing the story three different times in their own words. And so, yeah, I like that. But so anyway, verses 23 through 27, Jesus is still talking to uh, the multitudes that were around him. And this was after the the fish and the bread when Jesus uh, fed the 5,000. So this is after all that. And another multitude is around him. And so Jesus says to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. And the one thing that really stuck out to me was actually verse 25, which says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his own self? And for some reason, I never connected the dots uh, as to like what Jesus was talking about there. Like I was always like, oh yeah, you know, somebody can gain the entire world and, you know, live in it, but yet, you know, they forfeit their soul. In fact, I think other other versions say soul as well. But the way that W.E.B. describes it is like this man spends all this time trying to gain the entire world, trying to rule and gain the entire world, But as soon as he gets it, he forfeits his own self. In other words, he just dies. And that's kind of what the whole point of this is. For example, verse 24, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. And then Jesus also talks about where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And so he says, instead of storing up treasures on earth, like trying to gain the entire world, store up your treasures in heaven, because that's where your heart is going to be if you store up your treasures in heaven. So yeah, I mean, just a new interesting perspective of 
yeah, this guy could gain the entire world, but who cares? He loses his self. And that's just pretty powerful to me. Verse 26, for whoever will be ashamed of me and my words, of him will a son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and the glory of the holy angels. That's sad too. Anybody that's ashamed of Jesus, Jesus will be ashamed of them when Jesus comes back in the end. So we can't be ashamed of Jesus. We got to, you know, spread the word. We got to do what Jesus calls us to do, even though it's scary and it's hard. But, you know, I'm learning and I'm a huge people pleaser and I am often ashamed of the gospel and I'm not even going to lie and say I'm not. But I've learned as I'm getting older that I'm starting to care less and less about what people think about me. (laughs) I still care what people think about me, but I'm caring a little bit less because I'm just learning how fickle people are. And I'm not saying all people are fickle, but just as a as a whole, people are pretty fickle. I mean, you can do all these things to try to get somebody to like you. But the second you do something that they don't like, even if you don't even know you're doing something they don't like, they just don't like you and they decide they just don't ever like you. And so it just doesn't really matter anymore. People are very fickle, but Jesus is not fickle. He's always there for us. He never hates us, even though we do something stupid on occasion. He's always so forgiving and so loving because he's God. And so because of that, he should be the one we are trying to please, not these uh, fickle people who hate us if we look at them sideways. Instead, Jesus is always there for us and uh, he loves us no matter what. So Jesus says, try to please me. And in the end, if you're not ashamed of me, I'm not going to be ashamed of you either. But if you are ashamed of me and you're trying to be a people pleaser and get other people to like you at the cost of, uh, you know, being ashamed of me and not spreading the gospel, then yeah, I'm going to be ashamed of you too, is kind of what Jesus says. But then here in verse 27, but I tell you the truth, there are some of those who stand here who will in no way taste of death until they see God's kingdom. So I believe Jesus when he said this verse, I believe he was talking to the people that were surrounding him saying, some of you aren't going to die until you see God's kingdom. And it's interesting because right after this, his disciples, the three that he takes up to the mountain, Peter, James, and John were all able to see God's kingdom. And I think John was actually able to see it twice because John was the one who wrote Revelation as well. And he was able to see God's kingdom like he was literally like flown up into heaven, basically, to uh, take a look at everything that was happening up there and write about it for us. So, yeah, he got to see God's uh, kingdom twice. But even so, I mean, Peter, James and John, sure, they all saw God's uh, glory, God's kingdom. But maybe some of the other people in that crowd also saw God's kingdom because they saw Jesus risen from the dead. Uh, Maybe, you know, we, we heard about the other people that actually got risen from the dead as well as Jesus, which Mark describes. And it's the only gospel that talks about that, that a few other people were actually risen from the dead as well to go and like spread the gospel. And so, I mean, maybe some people saw those people. So we don't know exactly who saw God's kingdom in this besides Peter, James, and John. But anyway, it says here in verse 28, after eight days, 
After Jesus says these things, he takes with him Peter, John, and James and goes up to the mountain to pray. So Jesus is sitting there praying. I don't know if his disciples were praying with him or not. It kind of sounds like they were really sleepy, actually, in verse 32. So they could have been just like super drowsy and just like sleeping while Jesus is sitting there praying or maybe dozing off or whatever. But it says that Jesus, as he's praying, his face becomes altered and his clothing all of a sudden becomes white and dazzling. So his spirit, like God's spirit just took over and Jesus became basically his true form. And so Jesus has his face altered to become something like magnificent. And I don't even know what that would look like. But all of a sudden, he's just radiant. He's just radiant. And God's glory is like surrounding him. And so two men appear there and they're talking with him. And we know of the one, Moses, who uh, we're learning about now in the Old Testament. Moses was one of them. And Elijah was another one. And this is very comforting to me. And to most people, honestly, this should be very comforting that there is, in fact, an afterlife that even though we know Moses died and we know Elijah died. Well, Elijah, I guess, technically did not die. He got like uh, swooped up into heaven. But Moses died. But yet there they are standing with Jesus here on this mountain. And so, yeah, there is an afterlife. And Jesus is very clear about that. But even before this, we knew of evidence of the afterlife in the Old Testament when God speaks to Moses through the uh, burning bush. And he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so obviously God couldn't say I am the God of those three men if they were dead. But anyway, Moses and Elijah are there talking with Jesus and they appeared in glory is what it says. And they spoke of his departure. And this is the part I definitely uh, was interested in. I, I don't remember if Matthew or Mark, when they told of this account, mentioned this. I don't know if they mentioned it, that they were actually speaking about Jesus about to die. They, they were talking with Jesus about his soon to be death and resurrection. So it says, they were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but the, all of a sudden they're fully awake. <laughs> I don't know who wouldn't be after this. Like, absolutely, they're fully awake. They saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And somehow Peter happened to know that this was Moses and Elijah. So Peter when he's being surrounded by this glory, like Jesus is in this glory and Moses and Elijah are there, somehow Peter knew that this was a, this was Moses and Elijah. He just knew. And so that's kind of the, uh, the supernatural, I suppose, effect of heaven is a lot of people like to say, we're going to know everybody there. We're just going to know who they are. And so Peter knows who Moses and Elijah are. And so as they were departing, from Jesus, Peter says to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And I've said this two times now in the podcast that Peter was equating Jesus, putting him on the same level as Moses and Elijah. And Jesus is not on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Jesus is well above them. 
But Peter, because he was babbling and because he he had no clue what he was saying, and Luke was really nice to to add that in there, not knowing what he said. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, Peter was uh, probably scared out of his mind and just started talking. And so, yeah, that's what he says. But he equates Jesus with Moses and Elijah, which he shouldn't have done. You know, Peter is still speaking this cloud. And there's that that word again, cloud. We've been learning in the Old Testament. I don't know if you guys listen to my Old Testament episodes or not, but we've already learned about God's presence taking on the form of a cloud. We've seen that multiple times now in the Old Testament. So here it is again, this consistency with God. His presence taking on the form of a cloud. This cloud, this glorious cloud comes and covers Jesus and the three disciples. So they're in this cloud. And it said they were afraid as they entered into the cloud. And so now Peter is still talking and a voice comes out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And so the cloud departs. And Jesus was found alone. And so the disciples were just dead, dead silent. They, I mean, I don't even know how they responded to this. They were probably just freaked out. They were so freaked out. So now they're silent and they end up telling no one in those days the things that they saw with Jesus in, and uh, the transformation that Jesus had just very briefly they're up there on the mountain. But they did end up telling them later on. But Luke makes it very clear that they told no one in those days. So he adds that in there. Now here in verse 37, it says that the next day they're going down the mountain. And this great multitude meets Jesus. And so there's a man in the multitude and he's crying. He says, teacher, I beg of you to look at my son for he is my only child and a spirit takes him. And so it says that uh, when the spirit takes him, he actually starts convulsing and foaming at the mouth. And uh, it bruises him severely because he's just thrashing all over the place. So he, this man took his son to the disciples, but the disciples, none of them could cast out this demon. And so I don't know exactly what happened here, but Jesus becomes angry because of this. Or rather frustrated, I would say, because it says Jesus answers faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you and bear with you? So something about this just frustrated Jesus to the core. And maybe it was because the disciples didn't have enough faith to cast out this particular uh, demon. Maybe it was because this man didn't have enough faith to have the, the demon cast out, I would guess whatever Jesus is upset about probably had something to do with the lack of faith. Because basically that's what he says, faithless and perverse generation. So, I mean, he, he calls everybody there faithless. And maybe on top of that, the multitude was angering Jesus because they're just like grabbing their popcorn and watching all this. And having no mercy. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing that one out there. That's my own speculation. But I mean, maybe even the multitude was frustrating Jesus in some way. But whatever happened, Jesus was mad. He was upset at this situation because there was just a lot of non-faith happening. So it says that the boy 
um, was coming to Jesus and the demon threw him down and convulsed him violently. So this kind of looks like a spirit that doesn't talk to Jesus, but still responds to Jesus. We see that a lot of the spirits that when they entered into people and they would see Jesus, they would say something. They would say like, oh, what, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? You know, or something like that. Or they just declare to the entire congregation there that uh, Jesus was the Holy One of God. And Jesus would be like, shut up, demon. Like, don't don't talk about me to all these people. But this spirit does not respond to Jesus in the same way. It was a mute spirit, I guess. And so it instead, when it sees Jesus, it throws the boy down and convulses him violently. And so Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit and heals the boy and gave him back to his father. And it actually says that the multitudes thought the boy was dead, according to some of the other um, other gospels. With the same story, they thought the boy was just dead because he looked like he was dead. But Jesus lifts him up by the hand and gives him back to the father and the boy is totally well. And so it says that the multitudes were astonished at the majesty of God. So they were astonished. They were just like, wow, like God is great. All of them were. It says they were all. And I remember talking about this back in Mark, the same story. And Mark said the exact same thing, that the entire multitude was literally astonished at God. All of them were. So yeah, whatever, I mean, what Jesus did here was just magnificent. And I, I would guess that the fact that only Jesus could do this miracle as well and the other disciples couldn't do it probably had an effect on the multitude also. So anyway, guys, this was uh, Luke 9, verses uh, 23 through 43. And this talked about the transfiguration. It talked about um, not being ashamed of God or Jesus. It talks about, you know, um, Jesus healing the boy with the convulsions and the spirit inside of him. So join me tomorrow and we're going to be finishing up um, in the next couple days, Leviticus chapter 27, and we'll be out of Leviticus. Now don't forget guys, just some housekeeping. I will not be doing some episodes next Monday and Tuesday. I'm going to take two days off just to make sure everything is uh, nice and buttoned up when it comes to the name change. But anyway, faithful listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode and happy listening and God bless.